0: And ladies and gentlemen, it has been too long, just kidding, it's only been a week. It is the podcast that keeps on going through the offseason. We march forward. It doesn't matter that there's hockey on. It doesn't matter that there's basketball on. It doesn't matter that Euro 2020, well, yes, right, Lewis. It does matter a little bit, but a lot of different sports going on. But guess what? We circle around the wagons, and we circle around the world of the NFL here on the Sunday card. Dan Zampano, Matty Ice, Maddie C, Matt Silberth, our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper Lou Perricone. Fresh out of the Magic City. Love it. Absolutely love it. Suns and Clippers tonight. Absolutely locked and loaded. Uh, gentlemen, how are we doing today? Maddie Ice, what is going on, my friend?
1: Not a whole lot. Just, you know, we're, we're in the grind. We're in the grind of the summer season. We have post-COVID summer. Uh, now we're, it, things are out and about. Everybody's out and about. Things are opening up. Um, but the league doesn't stop. The NFL doesn't stop, and this show doesn't stop, like you said. So... We always make time for the show and always talk about uh, the interesting things going on in the offseason, continuing our divisional rankings that we have going on, and a little fun topic you sent over to me earlier today. Yes,
0: we do have a fun topic. Matty Ice also uh, declaring COVID over, and he's declaring COVID dead. Dr. Anthony Silberth is here, and he has declared it. So it's over, (laughs) and it's fantastic. We are going to get into the NFC South, but before we do another little tidbit segment we're going to do again we follow up last week's would you rather with this week's look at some of the notable free agents from around the league guys there are still so many guys out there that make impacts on teams that are free agents and maddie you were telling me all the guys on this list that we're about to give you all aging veterans looking for a cheap deal
1: yeah these are guys that you know like all names again that are just so notable and anybody that's like watched the nfl for the past Couple of seasons would know these names that are bouncing around, and um, yes, they're all you know. Most of them are ranging anywhere from their their low thirties to uh, maybe a little, some a little older in this in this list that we have here. But again, guys that I think are always ready to hop on that team, make an impact on a cheap deal. This is the the ring chasers.
0: Well, let's get right into it, shall we? Because I think that this this list is comprised of former Pro Bowlers um, and some even probably future Hall of Famers. In this as well. So let's do it. Let's start with a 33 year old defensive tackle, most notably known for his time in Cincinnati. He spent some time in Seattle last year. He is Gino Atkins. Maddie, where does Gino Atkins fit? He's a great run stopper defensive tackle that can really plug holes in the middle. And he's also got some pass rush ability. At 33, he might have lost a step or two, and that's why Seattle kind of let him go after they traded for him. So where does he fit best, you think, in
1: the league? Now, the best fit for me has to – again, this has to be Geno Atkins very much willing to take a deal because this team doesn't have a lot of cap space. But this team immediately rung out to me as a team that really needs defensive help, trash help, and is always willing to take on an aging guy that's also maybe had some problems throughout his career – and that would be the Dallas Cowboys, Ooh. never afraid to take a risk. Jerry Jones. Now again, the cap is very tight down there, so this is going to have to be an extremely team-friendly deal for this to happen. But um, as a secondary option, because I know that might be a little bit tight. Well, actually, here you—I want to I want to steal. I want to give you your option first, but I would say Dallas Cowboys if they can make a team-friendly deal happen. I think that's the right fit for him. I appreciate
0: you not uh, trying to steal, steal uh, another team from me. Cowboys was $6 million in cap space, so that might might be able to work. I'm going to go with a team a little more cap space that I think could use this guy in particular because I think they're trying to shore their defense up a little bit and to take that next step, they have a really, really good young defense, a couple of really good young pass rushers, and one very, very good defensive tackle in the middle that I think they can match up with Geno Atkins. I love this team. It's one of my favorite teams in the league. Give him to Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. I think that, <laughs> that would be a fantastic to have him – Match up with Derek Brown and teach him the ways of the force and all the, the hand motions, the wax on, the wax off. I think that that would be fantastic for Carolina, especially a team that not only struggled in terms of defending the pass, but they need a pass rush. And I think with Brian Burns, Yitor Gratos Matos uh, out there as well. And then you have the two big guys in the middle, and Atkins and Derek Brown. They have plenty of money to do it. Fourteen million dollars in cap space. I think that would be enough to get Geno Atkins to Carolina. And all of a sudden, you got a pretty fresh freaking defense down there in Charlotte. I think that I might
1: have to go see next year when the Pats go down there. So I like Carolina for Geno Atkins. It's a great pick. I I knew you were going to give somebody Carolina. Obviously, we're all. I think uh, I think we're all trying to outfit our teams that we're rooting for this year with the best possible uh, free for pounding. Run. We're, Keep going. This is us, you know, being GMs again, just like the, the drafts episode, just trying to get our teams that we think are going to do good to have better players. The other team I was going to say would be the Arizona Cardinals already brought in JJ Watt. They have 10 million dollars in cap space. Again, could make it work. Um, definitely close, um, but they, they bring in JJ Watt. They've got um, Chandler down there. So I, but they don't really have a nose tackle or a defensive mm-hmm. tackle. They've got a couple guys that they've taken like the third, fourth rounds for the past couple of years. So I think he'd be a nice piece down there.
0: I like that. I'm, I'm not opposed to that. Arizona definitely could still use some shoring up. They do have a lot of aging veterans at defensive tackle there. I'm sorry, uh, on the defensive line, like you just mentioned. Um, but again, you're looking at them. I'm just looking at their roster right now. There isn't anybody Lecky Fotu who used to play in Cincinnati with Geno Atkins, so that is a possibility there to team them back up. But I like your line of thinking here. Uh, let's go to the next one: defensive end slash outside linebacker obviously known for his long days and matched up with joey bosa in san diego and los angeles and that is melvin ingram melvin ingram is 32 years old but i gotta tell you i think that melvin ingram has plenty of gas left in the tank matt i mean i think this a lot of teams would be looking for but i think i have a feeling that we might land on the same dotted
1: line here for this yeah. one let me hear what you're thinking I think we are now that you say that. Yeah. I mean, and I was shocked to see that he was 32. I, I did not think he was that old. I don't know. I, I guess just him being paired up with Bosa. I like assumed they were the same age and it's not even, you know, he's probably got five years on Bosa, I'm guessing. So, but yeah, I think the team that we both think that he needs to go to a team that lost pass rush with a trade that they made earlier this year and will now be able to, uh, you know, uh, sub, 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 I can't think of the word, supplant that Um, with Melvin Ingram would be the Miami Dolphins. Oh,
0: okay. Okay.
1: I think okay. the Miami Dolphins would love a little Melvin Ingram down there, okay. add back to their defensive end outside linebacking core um, after the trade with Houston earlier this year um, to get uh, McKinney for um, Barrett. So uh, I, I think that he could definitely help fill that hole of, of Shaq Barrett leaving Uh, quite a bit.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I think Miami is an interesting spot. You look at their team; they do they run a three four defense, so they're going to have linebackers kind of line up. I, I, the only thing I would say with Miami is that they did draft Jalen Phillips in the first round. I don't know if that really matters to have uh, to have Ingram not come there, but I think they do want to develop him. I don't hate that. But man, I mean, there's a big glaring team out there for me. And, and I think it's I think it's pretty obvious. This team needs defensive end help and pass rush help. Uh, and I think it's the Indianapolis Colts. I just think that would mm. be a perfect fit for him to be able to go play Tampa two, obviously, as we talked about last week, but they play a lot of zone defense, which requires a good amount of pass rush to be able to get to the quarterback quickly. Um, because a lot of the times in that zone, quarterbacks are trying to get it out really, really quickly. So if you can get to the quarterback faster, you match Pay on one side and Melvin Ingram on the other. I really do like that combination. DeForest Buckner in the middle. Indianapolis, plenty of cap space, $14.7 million. Might be a little tight to be able to get him, but I do think they can get it done. I would love to see him in Indy. I'd like to see him go to a team... That really, I think, has a better chance to win as well. So I'd go, I'd go, Melvin Ingram to the Colts.
1: Yeah, no, I, I like that one a lot. I, I mean, he's ready to, I think, also he could transition into the the Chris long role of, of you know, mm-hmm. the third down specialist rusher, you know, keeping him fresh, not rushing every play out there kind of thing. So he could, he could even go to a team with a deeper lineup. I, I had the 49ers written down, you know, go yeah. to a team with a real deep lineup and, and just come in as a fresh legs on third down and some clear, obvious pass rush situations.
0: I do like that. I don't, I don't hate San Francisco either. I think he's a perfect fit for, for that type of style. And then him to stay out West. I think he would like that as well. Here's an interesting guy. This guy's only 27, but, man, he's been riddled by injuries. A lot of teams need linebacker help. Quan Alexander is available. Quan Alexander, we obviously know, spent a lot of time in Tampa, spent some time in Kansas City, spent some time in San Francisco. But in 2019, he tore his pectoral muscle and missed a lot of games, and then last year tore his Achilles. So he's coming off two years' worth of injuries. I could see a team really taking a cheap, high-reward, low-risk type of deal with Quan Alexander. Do you see a team that needs linebacker help that could propel them and possibly, you know, at least provide some depth at the middle of the
1: linebacker position to get that defense right? Well, this team, the team that I have in mind needs linebacker help desperately. It wouldn't be for depth. He would need to come in and hopefully be healthy and really take a gamble on him. Mm. That's the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that they've done a little bit to the other pieces of their defense. They've added to their line and they've added to their cornerback. But if you look at their linebacker depth chart, it is it's bleak, it's dim. They don't really have many players out there that you would even recognize at that linebacker position. So, I think Quan Alexander for them is a really good risk reward again for a team that, not necessarily, you know, Super Bowl contender this year, but definitely ready to compete. A lot of young guys, a
0: lot of young guys at that linebacker position. Uh, I like Akeem Davis Gaither. He's a young cat, but again, you're right. I mean, there is. <laughs> There is a missing hole right there. Right. In the middle of that defense for Cincinnati. So I do agree with you. I do think Cincinnati, they obviously have the amount of cap space to do it. I think that he would go somewhere on a cheap deal. How about this? How about a team that again, they traded for a guy that they wanted. It was a low risk, high reward situation last year in the middle of the season. And I think they might take a flyer on Quan Alexander. I'm going Seattle Seahawks. I think Mm -hmm. they really do need, A a little bit more veteran presence. I know they still have Bobby Wagner uh, out there, but they lose KJ Wright this offseason, and I think that Jordan Hicks is really not developed for them. I mean, you always see Seattle picking these really weird first round picks, and when they actually have a first round pick, but um, you know, to go along with Bobby Wagner, there everybody else is really really young, and I would I would take a flyer on Quan Alexander to be able to either play in, in the in the middle or maybe a Sam linebacker role. Uh, and help out Jordan Brooks out there in that four three defense, and help out uh help out Pete Carroll.
1: We got a lot a lot of different takes here. I like this. This is good. We have a lot of bounce here. And for the record, you said KJ Wright would love the Broncos to sign KJ Wright this offseason. Awesome yes, season. still waiting on that one. He
0: is he was not on our list, but I almost added him yeah. there. So I tried to mix it up with the positionals. You know what I mean? We got, we got a lot of everything. Well, speaking of mixing it up with the positionals, here's a guy I think that people would really covet and a team probably with a lot more cap space is probably going to need this guy. And that is a 33-year-old left tackle, gets his contracts in Bitcoin, which, by the (laughs) way, may not be a great thing. Russell Okung, who got a big contract last year from Carolina, uh, is still on the market now. Where do you think Russell Okung gets his crypto this year?
1: Yeah, I'm oh, damn, glad you beat, mad you beat me to that, but that was funny when I was, I was again reading up on all these guys and I, I had missed that quote from him about a month ago that he said, the Steelers can't afford me, first of all, so he's not going to Pittsburgh, which is what everybody's been saying. And then he said he wants to be paid in Bitcoin, which I think is fantastic. Um, yeah, it, so for me, with that statement alone, this seems like a guy that doesn't care where he's going to play, really. He probably wants to be in nice weather and get paid a ton of money. So bring him to Jacksonville and have a little bit of something in front of Trevor Lawrence and have a big guy out there. You could pay him a fat contract. They've got a ton of cap space. And I think, And then he's going to enjoy the nice Florida weather. I think that's a perfect fit.
0: Okay. Okay. Russell Okung enjoying the Florida sunshine down in Jacksonville. I don't know where Russell Okung is actually from. So maybe he's looking, I don't know, maybe to twilight back home or something like that. Uh, Jacksonville. Does have Cam Robinson, so it might be a little crowded at left tackle, and that that Cam Robinson is hit or miss. I mean, that is it's it's by no means a, a, a safe pick with Cam Robinson, and then Jawan Taylor, who they drafted in the top five for right tackle, they can move him over. So uh, I, an opportunity there. There's no question about that. You know, I, I'm going to go with a team that just lost a tackle. I'm going to go with Washington. I think the football team could really use a left tackle here. Remember, they lose Morgan Moses. And they've been trying to replace Trent Williams for a couple of years now. They got Charles Leno from, from, from uh Chicago playing over there. And I just uh, I'm sorry that 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 really skeeves me out to have anybody from Chicago coming over to play uh <laughs> play offensive tackle, especially mm. left tackle for for Ryan Fitzpatrick. So that one, a uh, little grinding of my gears there. So I would say Russell Okung, Washington's got 17 million dollars in cap space. Uh, You know what is right now, maybe he can talk to Joe Biden about easing up tensions on the regulation and, you know, he can get to his plenty of, uh, you know, crypto, Ethereum, Bitcoin, what have you down in Washington. Maybe he has a little bit more
1: pull with the regulators. I don't know. Look, if you're waiting for Dan Snyder to hand out a lot of money, I don't know. You might be waiting a long time.
0: (laughs) Well, he didn't do it to Trent Williams, so I don't know why he'd do it to Russell Okung. But I would like to see it there. I definitely would. Here's the oldest guy on the list. I mean, everybody hmm. wants to see this dude win a championship somewhere, and I think that's the only place he could go is to a competitive team if he doesn't head back to Arizona, and that is Larry Fitzgerald. He's still available, um, has not said yet. He said a long time that he wants to go back to Arizona and finish his career in Arizona. He has yet to sign, but uh, all things considered, if he does not sign with Arizona, or maybe if he does and that's your team, Who do you like? Who do you think he could go to and finally get that ring?
1: I see, I I just don't know. The ring chasing he needs to be on a team that's going to be competitive, but I don't know if a team that's going to be super competitive is really going to want him. You know, I don't know if they're going to make room for him. So this is like a middling team here that definitely is acting as competitive, I think would fit really well. And that's the Minnesota Vikings. And Mm. I think with Kirk Cousins having a nice little underneath pass threat in that offense with you know slot receiver to go along. Uh, with Adam Thielen and not Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson, the new Stefan Diggs. Um, I think that he'd be great, especially for those, uh, you know, for a young guy like Justin Jefferson to come in there. But if there were a team that could make the money work, I think uh, the Rams and Sean McVay could definitely find a little spot. Uh, They lose Josh Reynolds. Um, They could use a couple more pass catchers there now with Matt Stafford. That's definitely uh, more team I would consider as a Super Bowl contender
0: interesting I think that you know with with this now that would add you would have a very old Deshaun Jackson and a very old Larry Fitzgerald in your locker room after that so that would be really interesting to see how Sean McVay would use those guys um and then obviously Woods and Cup I do I do like the thought process there I just wonder if there's room for him on that team considering all the weapons and Sean McVay liking to go fast mine this was so easy this was like cake I mean there's no other player that Bill Belichick has wanted more than Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, come I on. Put, I put Larry... Hey, all, a, a, in Super a
1: Super Bowl contender. A Super Bowl
0: contender, sir. A Super Bowl contender. Hey, I mean, you got Bill Belichick out there. There's always a shot. There's always a shot. Now, I do think that this would be a great fit. I would love to see him there. I think New England, obviously, the pedigree that they have together... And I think just from a locker room standpoint, Larry, I don't know how much Larry would play, although considering who's on the wide receiver room right now, I think he might actually have a chance to start all 16 games, but I think it makes a ton of sense. It's a team need, and it's a roster spot, which they can afford to give someone as well. So I, I do think that New England might be a pretty good, pretty good spot there for Larry Fitzgerald. My other one was also
1: Pittsburgh because he's went to school there. So. Oh yeah. Return back home to That'd be the other homecoming, I guess. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. I like that. I like that a lot. Here's the next one.
0: How about another 33 year old guy? A lot of 33 year olds. I think there's like four or five 33 year olds on this list. Uh, but this guy seems to be intriguing because it's surprising to me that nobody has picked him up. And I think he is waiting it out for the market because I think there is a market for him and that's Richard Sherman, Richard Sherman spending a couple of years in San Francisco after his long stay in Seattle uh, and making a ton of money, uh, does Richard Sherman? You think maybe want to stay out in California? It seems like he likes California out there. Or do you think he wants to move on and take the most money and the best deal?
1: Yeah, this was hard for me because again, I, the, all the teams that I think, as far as like his fit, weren't in California. And again, you know, there's just like like Buffalo popped on my list, and I had to cross him off immediately because I'm like Richard Sherman is not going to play in Buffalo. If you just look at where he's like tried to be in his career, it's clearly on the West Coast and. Into warm weather. So I don't think there's any chance he goes to Buffalo as good as that would be for their depth in that system. Um, And especially being a play as a number two behind Tredavious white. Um, And this team doesn't really fit the narrative of West coast either, but it fits the narrative of a system that he knows and a head coach that he knows and a head coach that really put him over the top in these past couple of seasons. And that would be the New York jets and head coach Robert Salah. And I think that they've got a ton of cap space. They can bring in a veteran, they could bring in a veteran to that secondary and hopefully maybe show some of these young guys, the some of the tricks and some of the uh, ways to learn the system. And obviously Salah, you know, said familiar head coach seems like a good fit to me, Lewis. You know, I thought you were going to say the jets. I thought one <laughs> of you would say the jets, really. Uh, I expected it. Hey, Hey, well, I mean, you know, well, alligator arms hasn't opened his wallet all, all off season. So he's got plenty of room still to still probably a check still blank that he could write out. He's not going to start now. Yeah. You know, <laughs> team friendly deal. Again, all these are team friendly deals that I, I got here in my book. I'm just a good GM getting team friendly deals.
0: He's too busy giving out money to Corey Davis. That's that's all it is. I mean, come on. I, I going from Compton and and then to Seattle and then to San Francisco and now adding it out to New York doesn't fit for me, man. I don't. I could. Ne- I don't think Sherman would subject himself to the circus that is in New York. I do think though that he would go somewhere else. And I think he would probably go back to Southern California. I would put him in in, uh, in L. A. with the Chargers. I think the Chargers would be a really nice fit for him because they really need some cornerback help. I'd like to see him there. Brandon Staley coming over to implement his defense. Uh, it's a defense that Sherman actually had to study like, the last couple of years because he was playing against the Rams uh, the last. And actually, he's been playing against the Rams his whole career. So Staley coming over from the Rams goes across the street to the Chargers. You bring in a guy like that to match up with Derwin James back there and uh, and. And they, they really don't have a ton of guys that are, I would say, uh, let's say Super Bowl or Super Bowl, uh, Pro Bowl caliber corners. Uh, they drafted Asante Samuel Jr., who I really, really like. And you talk about a guy he can learn from, man, I think Sherman would be a perfect fit for the Chargers going into next year.
1: Yeah, no, that's I mean, that that's a team with with cap space that's ready to contend that I think is going to be adding some pieces.
0: Love it. Absolutely love it. Last one here before we get into the NFC South. This was another toughie, and I kind of chickened out, I felt like, but I don't think there's a huge market for Golden Tate, to be quite honest with you. I think he might have overstayed his welcome. He might be able to be a three or a four receiver somewhere else and make a roster. Uh, What's your take on Golden Tate, and where does he end up?
1: You know, I think there's a team in California that's got a ton of cap space, and that's ready to contend, and that would be the Los Angeles Chargers. I think that Golden Tate is a great three option there. I think that he he comes in right behind uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And um, I think that that's definitely a team. Again, you have Justin Herbert, give him as many weapons as you could possibly have. You can't have too many wide receivers. You can't have too many weapons. So I think that he's a great safety blanket for, for, again, a young quarterback.
0: Plenty of room out there because after Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, it is a bare cupboard, I will say that. They got Josh Palmer. They dropped, drafted this year out of Tennessee. They got Joe Reed, who was former quarterback slash wide receiver at uh, Virginia. I mean, they are really – Jalen Guyton is out here. Uh, K.J. Hill, if you remember that name from, from drafts past. I mean, there is just not a lot sitting in the in, in the cupboard for uh, the Chargers. So, uh, good luck with it. And they do – I mean, they really do need probably to get either – uh, Larry Fitzgerald or Golden Tate to come over there. I think they could really use it because they're going to have to develop. I, I just chickened out. I, I took him and I said, where's he from? And he happens to be from Hendersonville, Tennessee. So I said, let's give him to the Titans. I know Julio Jones just went there, but man, there's definitely a roster spot open because there's not a lot here in, in Tennessee. The first three are locked in. Absolutely. Julio Jones, AJ Brown, and Josh Reynolds, I think are locked in after that. I love Des Fitzpatrick coming out of Louisville. He got drafted by Tennessee. I think he could be a good fit. Cody Hollister's had some success here and there. But, I I mean, you're you're talking about a bunch of no-names in Tennessee after the first three or four. And I think Golden Tate could probably find his way onto the Titans roster. A little homecoming for Golden Tate.
1: Yeah. And then again, looking up this stuff, I, I did see that he had, you know, he kind of put out a list of places he would like to land and Tennessee was on that list. So makes a lot of sense if they, if they want to make that happen.
0: Tennessee. And I think I saw the Rams also on that list too.
1: Yeah. And that, that's another team. I was going to say that, you know, like you said, it is a little clogged up at that wide receiver position, but I think there's no, again, McVay will take all the weapons that he can get and all the opportunity and and different you know, different looks that he can give a team. So I think there's definitely, if they can make that contract work with the, the limited space that they have, that's another good fit. One of those LA teams.
0: Uh, Tennessee, by the way, with $7 million in cap space. So probably have to have golden Tate sit maybe on a one year deal, maybe pay him two, $3 million to come over there, which is the most I'd probably be willing to pay him because his numbers are going down ever since he mm. went to the giants. So uh interesting. We are GM's professional. Everybody listen to us. That's that's all that's all the rest have to say about that segment for you. So a little classic veteran building uh in the locker room. Okay, Maddie, let's do it. Let's get into the NFC South. Uh looking at this division, one team and one team only, and the rest are just fighting for second place. Seems that way. But I will say that it did take me a little bit longer than I thought to get some of these rankings down.
1: I agree. I kind of, I almost did like a quick fire through off of just like, you know, top of mind and then was going back and doing research. And, and I definitely changed a lot in, in, in a couple of categories. I, I was sitting there for, for a while, kind of going back and forth. There's definitely a few that are pretty clear cut. Um, but then there was, there's a couple categories that I think we're going to have some interesting takes on
0: now. I assume that the quarterbacks are pretty clear-cut, unless you're Chris Sims. So let's begin with that, shall we? Uh, Quarterbacks, I guess I'll just start this one here since you started the last segment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quarterbacks one through four, I'm giving you number four. Obviously, the Saints coming in here, losing Drew Brees with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. I, I would kind of be surprised if we disagreed on that. I had a little bit, of, a little bit of a debate between myself, between Matt Ryan and Sam Darnold, because I know we had this big conversation a couple of weeks ago when we saw each other about ranking the top fifteen quarterbacks. It's like, is Matt Ryan any good? And we really were down on Matt Ryan and his arm, and, and just and how uh, deflated I think it has been the last couple of years. But can I give Sam Darnold that much? I think Darnold and Ryan are like pretty close but I gave number two to Ryan and number three to Darnold. And then obviously the goat at number one. So what do you think about it? I
1: I couldn't have said it any better myself, Dan. I was sitting there just staring at those two names and it's just like Darnold hasn't quite, obviously, you know, you're starting a franchise today out of those two guys. I think we both take Sam Darnold, but that's just a, just, just an age thing and a potential thing. But yeah, I mean, you have to give Matt Ryan his due with what he's been able to do. I mean, just, always putting up like 4,500 yards every single season. But, you know, as I was talking with Lou about this again, as we think a follow-up to that debate that we were having, and it's he throws for so many yards because his defense has been god-awful for the entire time he's played there. So he's constantly trying to catch up. They're constantly trying to score 50 points. It's the only way they win a game. So there's a little bit of that goes into it as well. But you have to give him his due, and you have to put him in the two-spot above Darnold. But I got the same list that you do.
0: I would not be surprised though. If Sam Darnold had a better year this year than Matt Ryan. No, not at all about that. No Joe question. Brady, Joe freaking Brady. And speaking of Joe Brady, Joe Brady's got a pretty good weapon down there named Christian McCaffrey, doesn't he? I mean, it, that's a a pretty decent player in the league, if I do say so myself. But the running back rooms, I got to tell you, the, I mean, outside of Atlanta. There were some there was some real, you know, finagling that I had to do mm-hmm. and really I really had to have an honest conversation with myself as, what do I value? What do I do? I put the Colts running back room in ahead of Derrick Henry last week. Am I going to put this team in front of this? Like, what am I going to do? And it was difficult. So I want to hear yours first, though, this time. Give me your running backs one through four between the NFC South backfields.
1: Look, your, your Indianapolis take definitely had me looking at this a little differently and had me, had me again, scanning through the depth and what the options are and third down backs and all this other stuff. And, and again, when I did that first quick list, I think I penciled Carolina in right at the top Mm. and it did not end that way. So we'll go go bottom bottom to the top, Atlanta, number four, they've only got Mike Davis now, no more Todd Gurley. They've got absolutely nobody in that running back room. So Atlanta is the fourth, uh, fourth in this category per usual. And then coming in at number three is Carolina and Christian McCaffrey, because they don't have Mike Davis anymore and they have nobody backing him up. They have Trenton cannon is the number two running back on the roster who played for the New York jets last year. (laughs) Um, The number two spot on that list. I have Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has got just the slew of running back rooms. They've got Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, Giovanni Bernard now coming in there. Keyshawn Vaughn the guy that they drafted that they still like and won't let let go but then in the number one spot I have to choose what is maybe just the best tandem that has been executing perfectly in synchronicity for years now that is Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara they complement each other too well and they're just back and forth on and off the field and they really are probably the best maybe running back tandem in the league.
0: Did you hear Maddie use that big word right there? That was incredible. And I didn't
1: stumble too badly over it. <laughs> Not too badly over it. Like the no, other that, words, I was like, like supplement. That was like, <laughs> like I a, couldn't get, that was like you hitting like a
0: high C. Like that was like yeah. beautiful. It was like you sang that song. Yeah, Synchronicity. I, mean, I, 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 I couldn't oh. come
1: up with supplement or supplant before. So that I was just making it up. I was just you coming back around for that one.
0: You know what? I mean, you made up for it tremendously.
1: I fumbled earlier made a play.
0: Yes. Ball security is job security. I love that. I love it. Uh, And perfect for the running backs. It's great. Uh, Number four, I did go with Atlanta. That is definitely true. Mike, you know that Mike Davis is number one. You know, Cordero Patterson is listed as their number two.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why is he still a running back? He was only supposed to be a running back for like just out of desperation. And now he's just in the league as a running back. It's insane it's incredible that this
0: guy is probably going to get like 75 touches at running back. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, number three was hard. Number three was really hard. Cause I'm like, man, like, you know, this team can't be as bad. But when I look back at the numbers, you know, Tampa was fantastic in the, and, and Leonard Fournette was fantastic in the uh, postseason. They really weren't that great of a rushing team. And we talked about it like, they don't run the ball or they run the ball too much rather on first down. And now that they are going to go into the second year of Brady, I think that they metamorphosize there's your big word into more of a passing first down team. So as good as that backfield is with Fournette and Rojo and now Giovanni Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn, I did put them in at number three because I didn't think that they were necessarily efficient by the numbers during the entire season, I do think that they could be good. Number two, I had the Panthers. And I did have them number one originally, and I did take them down. So I do – I get where you're going here. Uh, Chuba Hubbard – Chuba Hubbard has been drafted by the Carolina Panthers so to be the backup now for Christian McCaffrey. So I do really, really like Chuba Hubbard to come in and be a complimentary back. You're right, they don't have a lot other than that. But I do think Chuba Hubbard is going to be a lot better than people think. I'm high on him from the draft. But listen to these numbers by the Saints. This is last year with Alvin Kamara and and uh, Latavius Murray. Top 10 in yards per carry. they led the league in rushing touchdowns with 30, and they were number six in rushing yards total. Nobody has been more efficient than the New Orleans Saints at running the football. I think this is Sean Payton's golden hour. I, we talked about this last week. We were like, who has a better chance of making the playoffs, the Patriots or the Saints? We both picked the Patriots, but I think these two teams are on such similar wavelengths where they're going to rely on defense and running, especially and running with quarterbacks. Don't get forget that either. I think those two teams are right in sync with each other. And I think that I think that New Orleans efficiency in running the football is going to be the telltale sign of how their season's going to go.
1: Yeah, it really is as much as again, everybody like, you know, Drew Brees does, you know, throw for it, you know, when Drew Brees was there was always throwing for a ton and, and they're able to move downfield, but like, it was all at the core of the running game. And especially, you know, ever since Alvin Kamara got there and, and just absolutely transformed, transformed what they could do with him coming out of the backfield and catching the ball more than he runs the ball. And like, said, so then you got just the big power back in Latavius Murray. So they, they've been doing it for years. You can't take them off the top of this list.
0: They're not dead yet, Maddie. Not nope. are Keep marching. That's all they do. You know, we're trying to proclaim them dead and they just won't die. They won't it's die. Uh, let's go to the pass catchers, Shall we? Wider receivers and tight ends. Yeah. I think this one's pretty crystal clear who's going to be number one here, but I was surprised at who I had uh, and number four. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the reins here on this one. Mm-hmm. Number four, I had the saints. I had the saints and Mike Thomas outside of him. I'm, they, look, they use their weapons better than anybody. But on paper, you look at this, uh, they do not have a very good tight end room. I'd say Nick Bennett and Adam Troutman are both developing tight ends. And then outside of Michael Thomas, it's Traquan Smith, it's uh, Marquez Callaway, and then it's a speedster, Deontay Harris, shout out any 10 Assumption College. Um, but, you know, outside of that, I mean, look, the Saints are going to need help from their quarterbacks. Their quarterback's got to be accurate for these guys to, to, to play well. And outside of Michael Thomas, if he gets hurt again, I'm not so sure that's going to carry some water. Now, it's hard to judge the Saints because Kamara does do a lot of pass catching. So I did not factor him in, and I did not factor McCaffrey into the pass catching ability either. I'm just going solely on pass catcher room. Number three, I had the Falcons. I thought the Falcons with Calvin Ridley, that, that again, it's another team that does not have a lot of weapons outside of Calvin Ridley. They've got Zacchaeus. Uh look them up. And then, but I did like their tight end room, Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst. That's what did it over the top for me for Atlanta. So that's where I'm there with them. And then I do like what Carolina has at receiver. I thought drafting Terrence Marshall jr to replace a guy like Curtis Samuel, or I'm sorry, David Moore actually comes over from Seattle to replace Curtis Samuel. But Terrence Marshall Jr., a bigger, taller receiver out of LSU, I had to go along with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, and then they sign an underrated Dan Arnold at tight end. That's my number two. But we know the long list of people that Tampa Bay has. Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller, Gronk, Great, Howard, Bang, Bang, Boom, the possible 17-0 and 0 team. Uh, they're easily number one.
1: Yeah. Like you said, I mean, this is, this is what the category that was a clear court got, got to wide receivers, put Tampa Bay right at the top because it was just no doubt about it. Nobody's got better receivers than they do right now. Um, I, and I'm, I'm right there with you with New Orleans in the last spot, because again, it, it really is. You just think of Michael Thomas. It's it, you could apply to the, at the way we thought about Carolina's running backs. We said, Oh, McCaffrey, but you got to just look at, look at what else is there. And I mean, they have nobody else outside of Thomas. Like you said, The one change that I had my list from you is that I did flip Atlanta and Carolina. Um, I actually still like, you know, you didn't mention Russell Gage. I think Russell Gage is a solid piece in Atlanta. Um, And then, as you said, the tight ends having two good tight ends like that. And hopefully Kyle Pitts can be everything that, you know, we expect him to be in the NFL and, and just be an absolute beast. And, and, you know, with Julio Jones leaving with, with his, what, like, 150 targets that he gets every year, like an insane amount of targets. I mean, someone's going to end up stepping up here and and going off. I think Calvin Ridley is ready for another big year. He had, you know, kind of a breakout year last year. And I think he's ready for a monster season this year. Um, And then, yeah, I think there is room for Kyle Pitts to step in as a rookie now and and really have a main piece of this offense. I
0: I do hope that they are better in the red zone because they've been horrendous. I mean, just horrendous. And having Pitts and Hurts in the red zone... (laughs) I would assume that would help, but, and also having Arthur Smith there to actually be able to run an offense. I would hope that would help Atlanta. If, if they, um, if they do nothing
1: but throw corner fades to Kyle Pitts, I'm just going to lose my mind.
0: <laughs> oh, like it, it just to go back to exactly what they were doing and with who, right. that would be just horrible. Um, Let's go to number number. Let's go to the defenses really quick here. Uh, defense. Pretty tough. I got to tell you, I mean, as much, as much as we kind of low key were just like okay, like Tampa Bay is is really solid defensively. They had a great showing, uh, you know, in the postseason. Played dominated against Kansas City. Uh, are they the number one team in your mind, or is there anybody else that
1: you like? Yeah, I, I had Tampa Bay. This is another one that I, I did spot them right at number one right away. Um, again, it's just it's just a team that's returning everybody. They're returning all of their starters from last year. So the defense that really dominated the Super Bowl and dominated the best offense in the league, you kind of have to give them a little bit of credit here and put them number one. And then also, as, this, as much as we thought with the NFC South, is that you slot Atlanta in on the four spot on year two because Atlanta's defense has hole after hole after void after just needing so many players. Um, and then it was really just, again, battling these two middling teams here that we've been debating. And I, I know you're going to hate me for this, but I gave Carolina the three spot. Because mm. I think they're a young defense and they're not quite there yet. Obviously, Shaq Thompson, great pass rusher. They get J.C. Horn, um, someone they really need at the cornerback position, and, and hopefully can come in right away. But I still had to give New Orleans the the two spot on that defense because, as you know, like you said, defense running the ball for this team and their defense. Uh, they lost a couple pieces, but they've still got a lot of a lot of guys there uh, that know the system well. So uh, I had to give New Orleans the two spot, and like we said, obviously Tampa Bay number one.
0: Uh, I was right on. I think that was right on. As badly as I wanted to give Matt Rule and the Panthers yeah. in that number two spot, I just couldn't because I looked at the numbers and I said, look at the Saints and how good they are against the pass, and they didn't lose that much. We thought we were going to lose a lot in free agency. <laughs> they just didn't. Um, number two against uh, number two in the NFL in quarterback completion percentage. Number six in yards per attempt. They led the league in interceptions. They were number four in quarterback passer rating a lot. I mean, they were just so, so good. But I did have Tampa over them because they were returning all those guys. And they did perform in the clutchest of moments where New Orleans just did not. And I know that has a lot to do with Drew Brees in that playoff game. But I do think that New Orleans, I just can't kill them. I just I can't proclaim them dead just yet. As much as I want to propel Carolina there, I do think Carolina is a year away, maybe two years away. Uh, and I love that young defense, and I love the coach. And I love J.C. Horn so much. Um, it's just I don't think they're there quite yet. They could surprise me uh, and, and really get it done with Sammy D this year. Uh, and then obviously uh, Atlanta is in the uh, d feathering Uh, that's what I would say for, for Atlanta, that that's, that's where I'd put them with defensively. They got a lot of work to do.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, Carolina is a team that we both really like, obviously just like young filled with potential. But as far as if we're, we're looking at them on paper going into the year, you know, I think we have to have them exactly the way that we have them slotted, you know, again, all of the potential there to, to break out and impress this year. And now I'll move us on to the last part of this uh, ranking because I do want to throw it to you first. And obviously we've got the coaching category last. And I need to know if Matt Rule is going to be in the number one spot. Matt Rule and Joe Brady, are they the number one coaching tandem for you in this division?
0: If we put Matt Rule and Joe Brady together, I definitely have. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like definitely no doubt about it, lock, stock, and barrel just the best young coaching tandem in football. And I think they are the best young coaching tandem in football, but I, I do have Sean Payton number one here. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. hate to do it, but he is just a mastermind offensive creative genius. And I think this is where he's going to shine this year is how he uses his quarterback position and how he just kind of uses his weaponry. Cause he's just so good at it. I mean, uh, even with Michael Thomas out, they were able to maintain so much. They had a, they had a first round, uh, they had a divisional round home game last year, and, and with all the problems that they had last year with 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 Breeze's injury and him being out, and they went five and zero. Uh, they didn't go five and zero. I'm sorry, they went five and zero the year before. But they did so well with Payson Hill uh, in in that role. Um, I just have Sean Payton number one. Ah, <laughs> I want to put Matt Rule here so bad, over <laughs> Bruce Arians. Like, how do you put a Super Bowl championship head coach? Look, I'm going to do it. Screw it. You know, Matt Rule is number two. I don't care. Like, I'll I'll do it. I'll I'll bite. I'll bite the – I'll take a bite of that apple. Like, Matt Rule, I think, is on the path right now to having a playoff team possibly this year. And I think Bruce Arians' only reason he has a Super Bowl ring is Tom Brady. And I'm going to say it. I'm going to say that out loud. I know it's not popular, although it might be popular. I love Bruce Arians as a coach. Matt Rule is better coach. And Arthur Smith is not that far off.
1: Yeah, that's. A, I have a hard time. I love Arthur Smith coming out of Tennessee. And it was like, damn, it, I feel I feel bad having to have him in the four spot here. But with just every other coach in the division, there's not really much else you could do. But uh, the only thing I, I didn't, I did not have the cojones to switch Arians and Rule the way you did. So my, my list would go Peyton one, Arians two, uh, Rule, and then Arthur Smith again as well. But yeah, I just I feel bad about putting – putting both those guys three and four, it feels, it feels How dirty. You? How can you? It's like,
0: it's like these other guys are like Peyton is in his late fifties. Arians is like a hundred. And then he got Matt rule and, and Arthur Smith and Matt rule is older than people think he is, but God, I, I just miss the parka like on the sideline. Like I just miss it. I, I want to see that man yes. succeed. I want to see Joe Brady up with the headset, just calling out wizardry. Like I, I love it, but I do think Arthur Smith is really going to help Atlanta. I I think that was a good, good hire considering what he did in Tennessee. Uh, That's it. That's all Maddie. That's it. And that's all pretty good list. Not a lot of disagreement. I think me and you are starting to get in synchronicity synchronicity word of the day.
1: The synchronicity is coming. We are, we are, flowing it is it's not even july yet and we are we are synchronized so uh i feel pretty good about it i feel like we, we got our pulse on the league right all of our insider info.
0: absolutely absolutely i think that's what the episode is going to be called nfc south synchronicity episode 31 of the Sunday yes one. yes i love it i love it uh enjoy everybody, the rest of this week. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more fun doing the AFC North, the NARS division, as they say. That'll be a very contentious, I guarantee you, Mm -hmm. episode because we've already had this little bit of a war about who's going to be good and who's going to be good. And am I going to get sucked into the vortex Uh, and all this different fun stuff. So Maddie, enjoy the week, my friend, enjoy, enjoy the uh, end of the the hockey playoffs coming up. We're finals are almost here. We're, uh, we're settling in now.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've got we're we're in semifinals mode. It's not conference finals this year with the restructuring of the playoffs, but we are in semifinals mode. We had the Tampa Bay pull ahead last night, but we got another tied two to two series. Yeah. So it's it's going to be really good. And I also had to say, shout out to John Rahm on winning the yes. U.S. Open. What an incredible, incredible performance he had on Sunday, birdieing seventeen and eighteen under all of the pressure, uh, winning at the place that he basically likes to call his home in the United States. So very happy for John Rahm.
0: John Rambo getting it done once again. I absolutely love it. First blood, winning a U.S. Open title and a big collapse from everybody else that was in the that was in the field. But God bless him, he got it done. Uh, Lewis, have a great week, my friend. We're, we're in conference finals in NBA too, so it's uh, it's getting down the wire. Uh, the sorry ass Sixers continue their losing <laughs> ways, and it's fantastic.
1: It is great to see. It is. It's fantastic. And we've got the Suns up by 1 at halftime right now against the Clippers. We got a we got a tight one. It's good stuff.
0: Can't wait. Can't wait for Milwaukee and Atlanta coming up in the following days. Giannis, your boy possibly getting this first finals. We'll see. What a
1: matchup. What Can a matchup.
0: CP3 versus Giannis in the finals. That would be awesome. Be awesome. Boy, oh, boy.
1: See. Mm.
0: Cannot wait to see it. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next week. We thank you for listening. You can listen to us every week on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on sportscountry.net and Sports Country Radio every Saturday at 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. And again on Sunday at 11 a.m. For all of your NFL news and notes from around the league. And gosh, I can't wait for freaking September. As soon as these finals are over, it's just going to go downhill. And then a quick shot of espresso and we're right back in the 2021 season it's going to be a lot of fun we'll see you next week thank you for listening to the sunday car